lied to his God. It's the fear in the storm that caused them to cry out for help. Now this tells us something else, by the way. They also believe deep down that God is capable of rescuing them from death. They haven't been educated. They they don't have theology. They haven't been in the Bible. They haven't been in church. So where does all this come from? It comes from the conscience. It comes from the soul that's programmed to know that God is real. Again, they can think that it can be anything, that people trust in all kinds of gods. But deep down, they know there's a supreme being. And I think, by the way, this should be encouraging in evangelism. Because as you're talking to them and they're denying this, you can say, and I've said this before, no, 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 you're suppressing the truth that you know. Tell me that you don't know deep down there's a designer and a creator and a God. It's kind of interesting how they respond. Because they, if they're honest, they really can't deny it. Scripture tells us they can't deny it. So storms then have a way of causing these deep convictions to surface. They get our attention. They take us to our knees and they move us then to cry out for help because they believe that there's a being that will help. Now, what happened as a result of their prayers? Look closely at that text. What happened? See it? Nothing. Nothing happened. How could it? How could imaginary gods do anything? They can't. The unbeliever cries out, and they're looking for help. They're crying out to to something, and and, and there's, there's not an answer. There can't be an answer. Friends, listen, prayers of the unbeliever, I know this is not a popular statement, but I believe we can support it in Scripture. Prayers of the unbeliever to any god are useless. God stands back and he doesn't answer. And he doesn't answer for a reason, as we'll see in the text. Only prayers to the one true God get an answer. So notice how he's using the storm there. He causes it. It provokes fear. So the mariners cry out, but there's no answer. Why? Well, that brings us to the fourth purpose of storms, and that is to reveal our inability to save ourselves. See how this is unfolding? This is just common. So when their gods didn't answer, and of course they couldn't answer, the sailors then did what? They tried to save themselves. That's what people do. They get in a bad situation. They can't fix it. They cry out for help. God doesn't answer. So they go, okay, I got to do what I got to do then. The text tells us in the second part of one that they threw the cargo, which was in the ship, into the sea to lighten it for them. Naturally. They're trying to save themselves here. In the threat of death, man will do anything and give up everything to spare his own life. People will give up fortunes. They'll give up anything because they don't want to die. Satan had it right with Job. 
Satan answered the Lord and said, skin for skin. Yes, all that a man has, he will give for his life. Basically what he was saying is, Job doesn't mind his family died. He just doesn't want to die. So in the threat of death then, everything that man trusts in, everything that man values becomes very, very unimportant. And that is brought about, friends, by storms. And in this case, shared storms. Suddenly the sailors didn't care about their treasures. That was their livelihood. We don't know what they had on the boat, but they, it didn't matter to them. They're going to throw it overboard. They're going to get rid of all their material possessions, all their wealth, whatever it takes in order to save their own lives. And so they throw everything overboard. So after calling on their gods, which really was useless, and after trying in vain to save themselves, we see a fifth way that God uses storms to turn us toward truth. Now it gets real interesting. The sailors had prayed, no response. Imaginary gods can't respond, right? There is no such thing. They did what they could to save themselves, no success. So what did they do? They turned to Jonah for answers. It says, so the captain approached him and said, how is it that you are sleeping? He was, he was shocked. We don't know why Jonah was sleeping. Commentators are all over the place. He was probably just exhausted. We don't know, but he was sleeping. And, and the sailor rebukes him. The captain rebukes him and says, get up. Get up and call on your God. Now he's asking Jonah to pray to his God. Perhaps your God will be concerned about us so that we'll not perish. You see, here's, here's the lesson in this. When all else fails, when people are suffering tremendously and all else fails, their own efforts fail, their prayer life fails, people will turn to those in their life that they believe have the answers. And it's all because of the storm. See, here's the blessing then of storms is it tends to shine a spotlight on God's people so that we can help and give answers. The beauty of storms, right? By the way, that's us. That's us. So again, the question is, are we hiding? Who in your life needs answers? Who in your life is suffering? Who in your life is at a place where they're out of answers and maybe they'll look to you and the question is, are we ready? Are we ready to help? Are we willing to help or are we sleeping? Are we hiding from God because we're uncomfortable with evangelism? We're uncomfortable with, with missions. We're uncomfortable with sharing our faith. Are we hiding? Are we asleep at the bottom of the boat? Now, friends, there's something profoundly significant here. Why did they cry out to their God? Well, they cried out because they thought he could save them. And they asked Jonah to pray. Why? So that they might not perish. Friends, deep down, this shows us that, that God is a merciful God 
They know he's a merciful God. And most importantly, they look to him to be rescued. They look to him to be saved. Why else would they cry out? They didn't learn that. They weren't educated to understand that God is a savior. Deep down in the heart of man, he knows there's a supreme being. He knows there's a God and he knows that he cares and he knows that he saves. It's an amazing thing. Yes, we're dead in our transgressions and in our sins. But but still, because we were created in the image of God, they know there's a God. Deep down in their conscience and in their soul, they know. And that, my friends, becomes clear how? Through storms. And sometimes through shared storms. That brings us to the sixth way that God uses storms. And that is to reveal our accountability to him. Now watch this. This is really interesting. When calamity strikes, what do people wonder? What what are they concerned about? Well, I think they wonder, and I've heard it stated with people before, I think God's angry at me. I don't think you believed in God. Yeah, I think he's angry with me, and I think he's punishing me. Why? Well, I've done a lot of bad things in my life, and I think God's punishing me. Now I ask you, where did that come from? Way down in the heart. Way down in the heart. The mariners knew by the way, that someone had offended one of the gods and that God had now brought judgment to punish somebody. They they knew someone was guilty. Look at verse 7. It says, Each man said to his mate, Come, let us cast lots so that we may learn on whose account this calamity has struck us. They're wanting to know, Hey, somebody's guilty. Somebody has offended the gods. And we want to know who it is. And of course, by providence, God turns the the lot and and, and directly and points his finger at Jonah. Now, this is interesting to me because it shows that the conscience understands guilt. The conscience feels guilt. And, And the conscience knows deep down that we are accountable to God for our wrong. And so the unbeliever, when they experience pain long enough, they come to the conclusion, well, I'm being punished. God doesn't like me. I've done a lot of bad things. And he's brought judgment down on me. Again, where does that come from? So deep down in the heart, man knows that God is just and that he punishes the guilty. Now, what's really interesting here is that the casting of lots revealed that none of them thought they were the reason for the storm. This is really interesting to me. In other words, somebody's guilty. Somebody has offended the gods enough to bring death on this boat. And I'm wondering whose sin that possibly was, because it's not mine. That's what they're really saying. 
None of them felt like they had done anything bad enough to deserve death. And that's man soothing his own conscience. Someone else had sinned, not me. So there's a recognition of guilt, but no recognition of their own guilt. There's no profession or no confession of sin. People just don't think they deserve to die for their sins. It's just what they think. Now in verse 8 then, the mariners um, interrogate Jonah. and They ask him a series of questions. Remember, there's like five questions there. And then in verse 9, Jonah confesses that he's a Hebrew and that he fears the Creator, the Lord God. And then in verse 10, it tells us that at that point, they were sure that Jonah was responsible for the storm. Now they know. They weren't responsible for it, he, they, uh, that Jonah was. And so they asked him what they should do to him. Now look at verse 12, he answers. And he said to them, pick me up and throw me into the sea. And then the sea will become calm for you. For I know that on account of me, this great storm has come upon you. There it's clear. It's Jonah's storm. They're sharing in it. Just like we all do. We all share in the storms that others create. So Jonah here, who's a prophet, and a prophet known to the sailors at this point, told them exactly what to do. However, they didn't do it. They didn't do what he told them to do. His answer was just too hard. Throw you into the sea? They must have had a, a tender spirit. They didn't want to put somebody to death. That, that just seemed awful. So they didn't, they didn't do what the prophet told them to do. Now I ask you this question, maybe in your experience. Have you ever had anybody come to you and ask what to do? You give them an answer and they don't do it. <laughs> right? It happens all the time in counseling. We've all experienced it. Well, somebody, I got to do that. Uh, I got to give that up. Uh, I got to go ask forgiveness to them. Uh, so it didn't seem appealing to them. It didn't seem maybe logical to them. We don't know. But people ask us for, for, for uh, answers, and then they reject us. They've come to us because they have no other solutions. They're out, of, they're out of resources. They've tried everything else, but they don't listen. They just couldn't do what Jonah asked them to do. It's just unacceptable for whatever reason. So, what did they do? They tried again to save themselves. Look at 13. Moreover, the men rowed desperately to return to the land, but they could not, for the sea was becoming even stormier against them. They cry out to their gods. They don't hear. They don't answer. They go to a prophet. He gives them the answer. They don't listen. And so they fall back into their own ways. They're going to do it on themselves. They're going to row against this fierce storm. The point is, friends, is that we can't save ourselves. People are trying to row against the storms of life, against God's providence, and they're not getting anywhere. Have you ever tried to row a boat in a wind? Well, if you fished, you'd know. 
right? Try to keep a boat going in the right direction, especially when there's a wind. Now, I want you to notice, this is interesting. Notice what God does to people when they won't listen. He says it became even stormier against them. Now it's gotten worse. They've tried calling to their God. They've tried working it out themselves. They've tried going to people they know who have the Bible in their minds and know Christ and they won't listen and they try themselves again to work it out. And what does God do? He creates a stronger storm. He creates more fierce opposition. So it gets harder and harder and harder and people can't figure it out. That brings us to the seventh and final way that God uses storms. And this is the beauty of this passage, friend. This is all this is leading up to. He uses them to fulfill one supreme purpose to lead us to salvation. How beautiful are the storms of God. I don't think that's a scripture, but I think that we can take summarize it that way, right? You know, it's, it, it, it's true that uh, stormy situations so often lead believers to saving faith. I've heard a lot of testimonies over the years, hundreds of testimonies from this pulpit of people that have come to saving faith. And a very, very large percentage of those people were brought to faith out of some traumatic situation. God brought a storm. They sought answers. And they got saved. It's happened all over the place. It's happened many, many times. How many of you came out of a, uh, a storm into salvation? How many of you came out of a bad, a lot of us? That's the way it works so often. Very common, what, what's happening here. Now, look at the result then. Look at verse 14. Then they called on the Lord. Now they're using the word uh, Yahweh. This is used 11 times in this text. They cried out originally to their God or to a God. Now they're calling out to the God and said, we earnestly pray, O Lord, do not let us perish on account of this man's life and do not put innocent blood on us for you, O Lord, have done as you have pleased. They're finally praying through the storm, through the process. God has brought them to a place where they are now looking to the true God. And they plead with him, please God, don't let us die. And notice that they recognized his sovereignty. You, O Lord, they say, have done as you have pleased. Amazing. I don't even know if Jonah saw that. They did. And we see that they finally obeyed in verse 15. So they picked up Jonah, threw him into the sea, and the sea stopped its raging. And then the men feared the Lord greatly. This is a different kind of fear. This is a reverential fear. This is a fear of awe because of what God has done. And they see his bigness and his sovereignty. He says, the men feared the Lord greatly, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. Amazing. Do you see the connection? The storm brought them to salvation. It was a shared storm that brought them to salvation. 
It was a fierce, deadly storm due to Jonah's sin that ended up leading them to the saving knowledge of God. So what should we learn from this scene? How should it change our lives? Well, it should change our perspective on storms, especially shared storms. And this is what I believe that God is showing us. Never underestimate the transforming power of God's storms. Whether it be an individual storm or those who get caught up in the consequences of someone else's storm, listen, God is saying something. And God is saying something to everybody that's affected by that. See, the storm influences other people. That's the, that's the, the blessing of this passage. He's saying something to everybody who's involved. So friends, when storms hit, there are no innocent bystanders. When storms hit, there are only those to whom God is speaking to, and he's awakening, and he's drawing them to himself. That's the purpose of storms. Again, I I think with Paul, oh, the depth of the riches of both the wisdom and the knowledge of God. And he asks, how unsearchable are his judgments and unfathomable his ways? We should be this morning in awe of how God works. And we should view life differently now than we did when we came in. And the question is, do we? Friends, God is sovereign. And there's no suffering that takes place without his purposes. Father, we thank you for the truth this morning. Thank you for helping me preach this message. I pray that it pleased you. I pray that it has brought glory to you. And Father, I believe it has, and so I know you'll bless our people that we begin to recognize that even who we might consider innocent victims or innocent bystanders of someone's sin, you're speaking to. May we be wise in our counsel as we counsel those that commit sin and that affects a lot of other people. May we tend to them as well. In Christ's name we pray.